Hi, I'm Paul Simpson from the Football Club. Welcome to the Brunton Bugle. Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunton Bugle, the number one place to get your Kyanite fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. I'm Dan McLennan. And I'm Mike Booth. The Blues are well beaten by Bolton and Moxon and Garner depart as the squad rebuild continues. Can United turn things around and avoid the drop? We look back on the loss to the Trotters before previewing this weekend's trip to the capital to face Leighton Orient. Yes, uh, it's it's the worst kept secret in, in Cumbria, I think it's fair to say, has uh, finally been confirmed, hasn't it, Dan? Owen Moxon has left the club to go to Portsmouth. We'll be talking about that shortly in the news section, but initial reaction just kind of feels like the right move, really, doesn't it? Yeah, um, and for those who also listen to the the BMC social, we had a little discussion on this the other day, and nobody has really done wrong from their own point of view on this because Owen Moxon's done nothing wrong. No, Paul Simpson's done nothing wrong. Carlisle no. United have done nothing wrong, and even though a lot of people won't like this, Graham Cavanagh's done nothing wrong as no. an agent. No, yeah. absolutely, yeah. We'll, well, we'll talk a bit more in depth about that in a sec. Uh, and Mike as well, obviously, with a little bit of news that sort of was rumoured for a week or two uh, as well, Joe Garner's left to go to Oldham. Yeah, I think it's, you know, with Armstrong in now, I think Joe's going to struggle. Um, yeah. I think his legs were struggling with the amount of football he's having to play, but I'd imagine that he's on a semi-decent wage and it might mm. free up some money for us to bring in someone who's a little bit better suited to playing alongside Armstrong. Yep, that, that's the hope, isn't it, I guess, on that one, but there you go. Uh, right, before we get going, obviously we'll be talking about those bits of the news section. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday lunchtime, so at the moment, no new signings have come in on deadline what's, day. What's lunchtime, please? Oh, for God's sake. He does this every time, Dan. Every time I message him and say <laughs> lunchtime, he has a little uh, dig at me and says, dinner time, that's what you should be saying. So there you go, dinner and tea. If you're from Carlisle, it's breakfast, dinner and tea. You can have a packed lunch for your dinner, though, just to mix <laughs> yes. it up. <laughs> yes, and, uh, just ridiculous, but there you go. But yeah, so we're recording this on Thursday, dinner time. And as of now, we haven't signed anyone yet, which, you know, looking at the time, it could well be something maybe they announce in the next 20 minutes or so, which will hopefully slip it in. But if not, it'll be announced just after we record as, as the usual deal, isn't it, there? But there's a lot of talk that a striker's been lined up. We don't know yet whether there's anything truth in that. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll be talking about that. We'll be looking back on the Bolton game, unfortunately, <laughs> and then looking ahead to the trip to Leighton Orient this weekend, including a chat with an opposition pod. Um, before we get into that, just a reminder, our sponsor this season is the Kyle United Sports Club London Bunch. London Bunch do a lot of fantastic stuff for uh, the club in terms of fundraising and also for exiles in terms of travel for away games and tickets for games and stuff like that um and they you know you don't have to come from london or the southeast to join up you can live anywhere in the world come on dan give us some places you, you've been very afcon mode recently haven't you so list some places where you could uh you could be well because you've just slandered the asian cup i'm going to say tajikistan well I, you know what as, as i started talking there I, I was thinking to myself I should mention the Asia Cup actually as well because there is a connection there with uh, with Carl, isn't there? Obviously with Geffen Jones playing for Australia, as we'll talk about mm. shortly. It's, 
mini rant here, but it, it's quite disappointing. I mean, don't get us wrong, I've always loved AFCON. Uh, yeah. Anyone who listens who, who's always read When Saturday Comes, they've always give quite good coverage to AFCON. Uh, mm. The Asian Cup just seems to be a poor relative, and it's equ- it's equally as big and good a competition. You know, I mean, yeah. there's a cracking game, uh, South Korea and Australia in the quarterfinals this yes. week. Tomorrow, you know, that's a brilliant yeah. game, yeah, yeah. That should be a really good one there. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, if you want to find out more about the London Branch, go to the website, carlolondonbranch.org. Right, do we you, will get... Do you, do you know what the capital of Tajikistan is? Oh, this is going to annoy me now, because it's one of these sort of pointless questions, isn't it? I used to know this. Uh, no, I can't remember. Do you not? No, no, no. I don't. Go on. Do you not know? <laughs> Dushanbe. I, I had to remember that. I was, I was <laughs> mixing my stands up. Dushanbe. Shambi. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I know someone's been to Tajikistan, that's why. Oh, well, when go. when England played in Kazakhstan, Aladano took two weeks off work and did all the stands. I mean, you would, wouldn't you? You might as well, yeah. while you're out there, yeah. you know, tick, tick a few off, but there you go. Maybe yeah. not Afghanistan, but slightly more dangerous, I think. He was, was on the border. He was, was on the oh, border yeah, of Afghanistan. <laughs> Right, uh, well, let's get straight into the news section. And what's the it's the obvious thing to talk about, isn't it? Owen I mean, Moxon, after the days of speculation and rumour, it's been finally confirmed today that he has signed for Portsmouth uh, on a three and a half year deal for an undisclosed fee. All kinds of rumours about that fee. We don't know exactly, but it, it sounds like at the very least it's six figures. And for a player who's got six months left on his deal, Dan. You can't really argue that, can you? At the end of the day, he, he said he wanted to, to leave. Well, he didn't say he wanted to leave. He said he wasn't going to sign a new deal in the summer. Realistically, there's a there's a chance we will go down this this summer. We hope we don't. We really hope we stay up, but there's a chance we might. Portsmouth are pushing for a place in the championship. It, it, it just, it's kind of a move that just makes sense for all around for everyone, doesn't it, really, in the end? Yeah. Uh, look, Owen Moxon is... Always going to be remembered for last season, Wembley, you know, brilliant season. He hasn't hit those heights this season, but when you look at the rating sites, he's actually still our top player this season, which doesn't speak volumes of the others because we've been poor at times. But, you know, I mean, ever since the whisper of Blackpool at the end of the last window came, it's it's been a bit of a fractious relationship between all, yeah. Because at that time, Blackpool were never going to offer the sort of money we could have commanded at that point, yeah. And you know, we we don't know what talks have went on between club, player, agents, but I think I think it's fairly clear reading between the lines from comments that not everyone's been on the same page for a long time. No. Um, He's going to a club that are more than likely going to be in the championship next season, uh, which is a great move for him. You know, he'll mm-hmm. he'll easily have got a better wage than we offered him on his new deal. Yeah, uh, probably a signing on for your promotion bonus, etc. So you yeah. know, that's that's what I'm on about. Like that's Graham Cavanagh's job as his agent to do. Yeah. You know, and I'm quite glad. It's a team so far away, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I think it makes it a bit easier for some fans to say, well, fair enough. Portsmouth for a big club, make no mistake about oh. it. You know, the, I mean, they won the FA big, Cup big, in the last 20 years. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Portsmouth for me are one of them teams who would be top half championship 
and maybe try and get Premier League every so often. Yeah, you know, like a Norwich floating between the two, really. Aren't yeah, they? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's it's. I saw yesterday, people were saying three hundred thousand. I first of all, I've genuinely no idea what the fee is. I would be very surprised if we got three hundred thousand up front. Definitely not. I, I can't up see front, definitely not. I I would I would have expected closer to 100 and maybe a small add-on, maybe a, a... They've got another midfielder injured midweek, didn't they? So I think yeah. two midfielders down now. So you could probably eke another 50 grand out of them for that yeah. because they need a midfielder. Yeah. And you maybe get a payment if and when they get promoted, you know. So you may be looking at 200,000. And like we say, we all we can all argue to the cows come on. The only people who know are Portsmouth, Carlisle, and Owen Moxon and his agent. So Yeah. Yeah. And and the thing you say about his agent, you're absolutely right. I've seen a few things this week saying, Oh, you know, it should bin off his agent, bin off Cavs like his agent's done his job. His his agent's done a perfect job for him. He's got him a big move and uh, an increasing wage and a good chance of playing in the championship next season and three, a good three and a half year deal as well. Yeah, exactly. He's he's done his job at the end of the day. that's what yeah. he's there to do. You know, his best interests are not Kyle United, his best interest is Moxon at the end of the day. That, that's what he's looking at, Cav. So, you know, fair play. But it's, it's annoying, but that's, that's just the reality of it. Um, Mike, in terms of this, it it, it, it does make sense though, to, to take the money now and run almost, isn't it? Because it puts us in a position, I guess, where come the summer, we can either spend it now, or I think I'd prefer to wait till the summer, but it gives an option to go, right, we've got that chunk of, let's say it's 200 grand once he's got promoted with, with Portsmouth. We're just, we're throwing figures out here. Right? We've got 200 grand sorted there. We've saved the wage. We've also saved the wage we were going to pay him in terms of the extra wage. We can look in the summer, whether we're in League 1 or League 2, and go, right, we're going to go and pick off one of the best midfielders in League 2 and sign him up with that fee and also the wage that we would have paid for him. And it, it just made, whereas if you left in the summer, you don't have that fee, do you? And, and, it, and as much as the politics are putting money in, it's a good thing to have that money, extra money there to spend. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, that in the summer, obviously, players will be on on free free transfers. And mm-hmm. if it is sort of around 200 grand, that's that's a player on like four grand a week. Mm. <laughs> you know, so that would be a, a very, very good player on a free. Or, you know, we could do what we did with Moxon again and just sign sort of uh, someone who's done well in a in a lower league, a lower level, and take a punt on them for not a lot of money and build them back up again. Yeah, but that money's there. I mean, the, the, the key thing, I think, is when you look at the club's statement, Dan, isn't it, that the club has said that money's going to be reinvested. You know, there's no case of, like, in the past, we've had to bank that money to cover losses mm. and things like that, haven't we? There's a very clear message there, we're going to spend that money to, to bring someone in at some point. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, the way the club's run is completely evolving at present, you know. I mean, you know, with the takeover happening not until November, this, certainly off the field, was always going to be a transformation season. Yeah. You know, come come the summer, regardless of what division we're in, we will be a hell of a lot more settled off the field. I'm not, I'm not saying we're unsettled, we're not, but clearly there's a transition in progress from the old new ownership to the new ownership, and yeah. you know, things things will change for the good, for the better. Some people might say for the worse. You can't please everyone, you know. But yeah, let, let's see where we are in the summer. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I did a little Twitter thread on Moxon uh, yesterday because I was getting a little bit wound up by some of the nonsense I was seeing some of our fans posting about him. And I'd say, I'm surprised how much traction he got. I didn't think he would get as much traction. He's got a ridiculous number of views and, and likes and whatnot. And I think that's a really good thing. Is enough, as much to show Owen that actually, you know what, the fans do appreciate what he's done for us and you know this idea i've seen some idea people like he's down tools or you know he's not being bothered or he's you know some people making out mike aren't they like he owes us a living basically and he owes yeah. the club for finding from obscurity which is just nonsense isn't it at the end of the day yeah. he he's delivered last season and getting us promoted from from a position where we've been terrible the season before exactly you know if he did owe us anything he more than repaid that debt last season and um, mm-hmm. I think the thing is, sometimes it's a minority that are the loudest. You know, we sort of saw it with Kyle Dempsey on Saturday. You know, he was getting a few like boos and stuff. But yeah. I think there was probably more people not booing him. But the people yeah. not booing him didn't make a noise. So it sounds like, you know, there's more people booing him. But actually, yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, like with Moxon, you can only wish him the best. You know, like you say, everyone's done things right. He's 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 gonna probably go on and have a very good career in the game and uh, yeah just I, I wish him all the best genuinely he he always gave everything for the club you know the, the amount of games last season that he sort of turned around on his own and frankly you know last season uh, I think it was Nick Brown that said this on Twitter I know he didn't win Player of the Year award but he was the best player in League Two last season and yeah it's been about twenty years since I think we can say that we had the best player in the league so. Yeah. You know, it, it, it was a pleasure to watch him and players move on and, you know, it's always been the way and, yeah, just wish him all the best. We got him for an out. He scored nine goals in 82 games and something like 20, 23 assists in that time. Got us promoted. We will win at Wembley. <clears throat> and we penalty got at Wembley as well. Uh, penalty at Wembley. And what we got, we got, we reckon, at least a six-figure fee from him. You know what? He owes us absolutely no. So, yeah. good luck to the lad. Except for next Saturday, when I hope John Mellish boots him up the arse after five minutes. <laughs> five minutes might par- be a little. He is partial minutes. to a dead leg, isn't he? I know. Oh, you've got, you've got it. You've, you've got to ma- seconds. You've got to make it less subtle, Dan, at the very least. <laughs> but there you go. Um, John, Mellish, right. John Mellish and subtle do not go together. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a very good point. Actually, <laughs> to be fair, Big John will be right up in before you even know it. It won't be even kicked off, probably. Um, I, I, I hope it's like the tunnel when uh, Keenan Viana went at it. <laughs> yeah, and all like Gary Neville when um, you know when Peter Schmeichel tried to shake his hand. When he yeah, wanted yeah. to keep and he just refused. <laughs> there you go. Um, right, let's move on to the next one then. Uh, this is a bit of a sad one, is it? But I think it kind of makes sense as well. Joe Garner, um, it was rumoured for a couple of weeks at Oldham were interested and it was confirmed yesterday that he'd left the club to join the Latics on a free transfer on an 18-month deal. Um, linking up with um, his former Blues teammate, Brendan Dickinson, also other former Blues, uh, Hallam Hope and uh, Magnus Norman there. I think as well, Paul Murray's the assistant manager to Mickey Mellon there as well, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, Dan, this guy kind of makes sense, doesn't it, really? it's just it, 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 He's done a brilliant job this season in terms of leading the line when, when we play more probably than we would have expected. But he was never likely to get a longer deal with us and this gives him 18 months and prolongs his career a bit longer, no, nearer to home. It, it's a good move for all parties in the end. Yeah, it's it's sensible. He, he was brought in last season to do a job, which he he did. Yeah, you know, part of the promotion team. Uh, like, say, would he have got a new contract at the end of the season? Probably not. Uh, he's not gone to a direct rival. 
He's mm-hmm. got an extra year closer to home. And, you know, he's had four spells at the club te- technically. And yeah. he's, he's worked his, so- his socks off in every one of them. And he's... We don't... I don't like using the word legend because I, I think there's yeah. very few legend. But he's certainly a... One of the, the greats of yeah, cult. No, more than a cult hero, I would say. Mm. I would, I would say, in certainly in the twenty first century, he's one of our greats. Yeah. You know, that forty odd goals in one hundred and thirty appearances, numerous yellow cards, crunching tackles. You know, he never gave less than a hundred percent. And there's a there's a lot of young footballers could look at a player like Joe Garner. And yeah. learn a hell of a lot from him. Yeah, I think he's just below that legend status, isn't he? Of the likes of you know, yeah, Alan Rosses, yeah, Peter Beardsley's, yeah, 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 yeah. people like yeah. that. He's he's a level just below that, along with people like you know, like your Warren Aspinalls and people like that. That's the kind of level he's at, isn't he? Proper like slightly more than cult heroes, but not quite the full on all time legend sort of thing. But it's still a, a brilliant player. Um, Mike, how do you reflect on his uh, his fourth spell with the club and and how it went? Yeah, you know, he came in, he caused havoc, he got us promoted, and he left. You know, <laughs> that's pretty much all we wanted from him. And uh, yeah, I'd imagine as well at conference level, I think he'll be a very, very, very good player for Oldham. Yeah, I've, can, I've can I just say I'm disappointed you missed off Ethan Walker from the list of ex-Blues at Oldham. Oh God, yeah, he is. We mentioned him the other week that he was on loan there, didn't we? Oh, yeah. Can you believe he's only 21 year old? That lad. That, that mm. blows it. There was someone else the other day that was mentioned. There was someone else, and I can't remember who it was. And their age was really young as well. And I was, Jack Marriott still blows my mind that he's only, what, 29, I think, or something? Yeah, yeah. When, when, obviously, when there was rumours of him a couple of weeks ago, I was like, oh, it must be 31, 32 now. 29, bloody hell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's prime, isn't he? But there you go. Um, yeah, I mean, do, do you guys want to pick out some of your favourite moments of Joe Garn, especially this time around? It's got to be uh, Hartlepool. That tackle against tackle, Hartlepool. Yeah. yeah, I think we're all in agreement with that. That that was <laughs> incredible. I still can't quite work out whether it actually should have been a foul or not. So many angles are seen. It looks like he runs the ball. And the others are like, oh, he basically just took the lad out there. And the fact he, that he, he runs from so far away is brilliant. Yeah, he, he didn't touch him for me. I think, you know, obviously you'll have people say, oh, you know, he broke his ankle and he's out for months. No, no I don't believe it. He... Uh, I think the lad is just too embarrassed to that a 34-year-old or however old Garner was had sort of gained 20 yards to win the ball off him. So, yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with you that on that one definitely up there. And I've got to give a shout out as well to the goal against Barrow as well. I mean, it's, it's a combination of Moxon and, and Garner, that isn't it? Mm. Brilliant bit of play by Moxon to win the ball back and play that free ball to Garner, and then lovely bit of composure to smash it into the bottom corner and, and yeah I think I think the goal at Stevenage as well this season was a really good one as I was well. just going to say his goal at Stevenage this season was a good you know you saw the passion in him when yeah. he celebrated our our Paul Martin the photographer yeah. took a great picture of that didn't he and on top of that as well if you watch the video highlights back a, a listener and a six second reviewer uh, Johnny uh, he, he was on it as well wasn't he there's a great, a great <laughs> shot of him running down the stairs with a bottle of water in his hand because it was like 25 degrees that day and he was uh, yeah there's a lot of him celebrating that goal so Blair yeah winning against Burton this season yeah, yeah, yeah as well forget about that as well but yeah I mean look He's all around contribution. It's not just the the goals, is it? You know, in terms of the way he leads the line, like you said, he's he's been fantastic, and it was getting to the point where we were running him into the ground, and hopefully, we we we, we said this when he signed, yeah. we signed for the umpteenth time. Joe Garner is your classic. When he plays for you, you love him. 
and he plays against you, you're like, oh shit, not him. And we're lucky enough that we've had him play for us four times. So there you yeah. go. So yeah, all the best to Joe, and uh, I'm, I'm sure he'll do well at Oldham. And they're pushing for a place in the National League playoffs, so you never know. I think Chesterfield are probably going to win the title at that level. Aren't they? Chester, yeah, Chesterfield should win the, the title so, yeah, now. So but... it's still got a chance. Of, I mean, we... No, well, they're <laughs> sat, sat in sixth at the moment. Yeah, I mean, we, we could be playing against them next season at this rate, it's the way it's going, but ho- hopefully not in the nicest way possible, but there you go. Um, right, final bit of uh, news, just double-checking, we haven't signed anyone yet, have we? No one's seen any updates? Nope. Well, there was another it's, it's, update. It's all quiet in this hedge at Brunton Park, then, I mean. <laughs> there was a signing made after last week's episode was recorded, wasn't there? Well, yes, because we, we can mention him now. So we'll, we'll talk about yeah. the uh, finally the reserves. Uh, they got through into the semi-final of the Cumberland Cups after a pretty routine four-one win at Penrith. Did you go to this one, Dan? I can't remember if you said you did or not. No, um, I was working. I was ah, working. Yes, okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a, a pretty routine win for the Blues. It was quite a strong side that uh, faced up against um, the, uh, the it's the Bonnie Blues, isn't it? Uh, Penrith. I can't yeah. remember the nickname is. You know the Bonnie Blues. Yeah, um, and. The goals were scored by uh, Jaden Harris-Brace, Anton Dudik, which we'll talk about in a minute, and uh, Jake Allen, uh, the youth team player. He he got a goal late on with DJ Taylor, the former Blues youth team player, scoring for Penrith. Uh, yes, Anton Dudik. This one was announced uh, last week, just after we recorded it. it come, sort of out of nowhere, but sort of not, because there was a few people posting online that it was a, a young lad training, a Ukrainian lad training with the youth team, wasn't there? And I, I thought it was just some weird nonsense really with that. Turned out it was true. Um, so yeah, this is a, an unusual one, Dan, but potentially the first Ukrainian to play for the Blues. Yeah. Uh, it was very left field, like I say. There was, you know, talk of a, a young kid had been playing. He's actually a year older than the, the youth team, but, you know... They're not yeah, one the range player. Yeah, I think the reason we've actually given the contract is it allows him to play reserve games, etc. And, yeah. you know, it's seeing... By all accounts, he, he played... I know we were only... No disrespect to Penrith. We were only playing Penrith in the Cumberland Cup, but apparently he was quite neat, tidy. Scored a goal, could have had another. And, yeah, some, sometimes these curveballs can come... Good and why not? You know, hmm. oh. it, 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 it's an interesting, wasn't it? Simo's been very clear that he's not for the first team now, isn't he? Basically, I think he's saying that he is someone that we're, we're bringing in to, to see how he fits in. But he seems quite impressive with him, and Mike doesn't he? And he seems to be like he seems quite taken to him, doesn't he? And his attitude, he seems to be quite infectious. And he's like, yeah, this, this lad, mate, you never know. I guess he's one way if he does well enough. We can give him a one-year deal next season and it gives him time to develop because Simmer has said he wants a, a, a bigger squad with more of a, a B-team element to it as well, doesn't he? Yeah, with him, I was thinking along the lines of Naki Wells when we signed him. And yes. Greg wanted to extend Naki Wells' deal, but the board basically said, look, if we can't afford to sign like a project. If he's not going to be in the team this season, you need to let him go. And obviously, yeah. Greg let him go and he had a very good career. But <laughs> now the club is in a position where we can maybe afford to, you know, give these players a bit of a go. And yeah, hopefully, you know, there's, there's nothing to lose at the end of the day with him. Um, he won't be on a lot of money. Um, so yeah, hopefully a good little project and can come good for us. Yeah, interesting, interesting to see how he gets on. But he also be playing for the for the youth team, as I mentioned there, the youth team are allowed to actually name, I think it's one or two overage players in each squad. And one or two. 
usually that's a, the key goalkeeper that they use, isn't it? Gabe Bree's got a few games last season, I think, playing as an overage uh, goalkeeper for the youth team. But um, but yeah, um, no update on Gabe Breeze's contract though. Actually, notice that that's that's gone mm. a bit quiet again, hasn't it? So interesting to see how that one develops. Um, right, let's get on to them. We've we've put it off. Cal United one, Bolton <laughs> Wanderers four. Match review time. Uh, oh, it's it. I was saying it's a wake up call. This is just a just another example, isn't it, Dan? Of how big a step up it's been to League One this season because Bolton for me in this game they just looked a cut above. Yeah, I, the, the one that really sealed it was when they brought the two strikers on for the two yeah. strikers, <laughs> which is which was our old trick last season. And mm. you're looking and you're thinking, the hell, these two they're bringing on are possibly better than the two they're taking off. You know, it's. Well, I mean, that was a different level, you know. Jerome could have scored two within his first two or three minutes of coming on. He missed two really good chances, didn't he, Cameron Jerome? Um, yeah, it, it, it just had that feeling after about. 10, 20 minutes wasn't it, of this is going to be a long, long afternoon. Uh, Mike, obviously you'll have watched the game back and yeah, it, it's just, they they just look so comfortable on the ball, Bolton compared against us. It, it kind of, I don't want to say men against boys is a bit harsh, but at times it looked like that, didn't it? Yeah, I, I think it was one of them as well. Once they got the first goal, I think our heads just dropped and, yeah. you know, obviously they got the second only five minutes later. Um, and it was always going to be a long afternoon from that point on. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about those chances in a sec, but we actually nearly equalised in between those two goals, which is just the mad thing, really. But, but there you go. Um, in terms of the starting eleven, down when that was announced, um, only one change from the Barnsley defeat, a good performance against Barnsley it was. Um, Jack Armour was dropped out of the matchday squad and Jack Robinson returned to the matchday squad in his place. And on the bench, new signings Jack Diamond and Josh Vella uh, came in in place of Finback and Taylor Charters. I think Taylor Charters was the 19th man because he was doing the, the warm-up with the team. Um, were you particularly surprised that maybe like Vella didn't come into the start? Uh, I can see why pretty much the same team as Barnsley, but mm-hmm. there was a bigger gap than normal. If it had been the Saturday right afterwards, yeah, yes, absolutely. Given that we'd signed a couple, I think I think Diamond was always going to come off the bench first game. Yeah. You know, while he gets up to he's got fitness, he just needs match fitness. Yes. Obviously there's a yeah. difference between the two. Uh Vela, yeah, I thought he maybe would start, but you know, then then you look and you think, Well, who's he starting ahead of? You know. Mm. Yeah, is it wasn't that's... gonna be Neil and it wasn't gonna be Moxon, you're probably looking at Matt Calmont, but then you're thinking you know, it's a mix-up right, etc. You know, yeah. it's... I can see why we started with the same. Uh, maybe you would have thought about starting Gibson over Butterworth, purely mm. off the back of the hat-trick. You know, when, when the team sheets yeah. went round, did Bolton think, oh, that's all right, he's on the bench today. Yeah, he whipped us last time. You do wonder, though, yeah. There's, 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 there's clearly a bit of a thing there at the moment, isn't there? Simmer doesn't seem to be trusting him as much in terms of his Well, like, like I keep saying, if if you could mould Gibson and Butterworth into one, you'd have a great player, I think. Yeah, you, you probably would. I think, to be honest, most of the elements will come from Gibson, if, we, if we're being brutally honest there. Um, let's, let's talk about goals and major incidents then. Um, I mean, the first goal, Ashworth scored after. I mean, they had one chance early on, uh, which was blocked from Magoma, Um blocked by Jack Ellis but then they took the lead now 
when I saw this in real time, Mike, I thought it was a fluke and I thought he's trying to cross that. Because from the angle I was at in the paddock, it looked like it was further out towards the wing. When you look back at it now, I don't, I still can't work out whether he meant it or not. It's, it's, a, it's a great finish from Ashworth, but I still, there's still an element in me thinking, he's maybe thinking about knocking it back across goal and then last second changes his mind and puts it over Lewis into the net. Yeah, well, I don't think it it, it exactly caught his laces uh, very sweetly, did it? Mm. Um, I think it was a bit of a shin roller, but I, I think it. I I think he meant it because. Yeah. Um, do, do you know something? I can't genuinely make my mind up whether no. it was a cross come shot or he meant it. There's there's one angle where it looks like he shanks it, and there's another angle where he looks like he means it, and it's toss of a coin stuff. I, I genuinely think. He's undecided until the last second. Then suddenly he's like, "Oh well, I might as well just hit this," and then hits it. I don't. I don't think he decided until pretty much the ball arrived at him what he was going to do. Mm. But um, but I, what he got to say is, I mean, in the build-up, John Mellish does lose the ball. He'd be moved into midfield by this point. Um, but there was a lot of play that went up after that. It wasn't a case of he lost the ball and bang one pass through in. There was a few passes after that. Josh Sheehan, I mean, he was fantastic. What a what a good little player he is. Lovely lofted ball over the top. Ashworth comes in and he just dink, dinks the shot over Lewis in no real chance, really. I don't, don't think Lewis's positioning is particularly bad either, to be honest. He's just, he's you're, just, just a, you're not expecting yeah. someone to pick out the top corner first time like that, are you? No, absolutely not. So that's uh, that was them taking the lead. As I mentioned, John Mellish nearly equalised. I mean, nearly. He was inches wide. It was, it was actually, for once, McCalmont played a cross in instead of playing the ball back. And Big John was chasing in on the edge of the box, gets a flicked header towards goal and... Keeper's absolutely stranded, but flies wide of the post. And then uh, the Trotters get the second goal. Magoma scores, and this one was a bit too easy, wasn't it, Dan? I think when you look back at it, um, the ball was kept alive from across from the right, and uh, Magoma picks the ball up, and he, he's able to step past the defender and just slot it past Lewis into the bottom corner. Yeah, the card just opened pretty easy, didn't it, for this one? Yeah. Uh, it was a bit disappointing, to be honest. You know, it's bish bash bosh goal. Yeah, yeah, it's just one of those ones, isn't it? Um, it reminded of, uh, me a little bit of uh, Fleetwood's equaliser against us on Boxing Day. Yes, yes the the yeah. the ease with which they just sort of cut us open in two or three passes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, get through to half time. Uh, Simmer makes the changes. We started to look a bit stronger with the four-three-three, with the two wingers actually playing on the wings. Um, had a bit of a go, and uh, we got one back, and a bit of a controversial one actually. And I think Bolton have got every right to complain about this because the ball goes out for a throw in, and it goes down the line. One of our players goes to fetch it, but another player spots that a ball is on one of the cones, grabs it, but takes it right next to where the the cone is, rather than ten or fifteen yards back where the ball went out of play. We react quickly. Robertson's ball into the box deflects into Gibson's path. And it's a great finish, Mike, isn't it, from Gibson, to be fair. But you can sort of get Bolton's gripes. We will be angry if that had gone against us, wouldn't we? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, because apparently the, the referee was very hot on people taking throw-ins and that where they shouldn't all yeah. game. And then he wasn't hot on that. Like you say, if it was against us, I'd be aggrieved. But in the grand scheme of things, it didn't really matter, did it? No, absolutely not. I mean, I should say actually before that, we did have a couple of other chances. Gibson had one on the edge of the box where he got completely under the ball and sent over. And, and Mellish nearly scored what probably would have been goal of the season, wouldn't it, Dan, where he, 
he rolled his man really brilliantly about 25 yards from goal and just smashed the ball on his left foot and the keeper tipped it over the bar and you know if that goes in that might have lifted us a bit more because that was round about the hour mark wasn't it I think yeah yeah um, look <laughs> we had we had little chances yeah. we had a little period but we're kidding ourselves aren't we no, absolutely. We, we, it, it's weird because there's an argument that maybe four one flatters them a little bit because they got two goals in injury time. Yeah. But on the flip side, it didn't really flatter them because they were comfortably the better side. So you know, yeah, the, yeah. Dem- Dempsey gets his goal. Um, long ball forward, Bodvardson held it up quite well. I think he played it to another one of the lads, and he slotted in Dempsey, skipped past one man, and hit it through uh, Lewis's legs to to seal the deal for them. And We'll, we'll talk about his celebration in a sec, but uh, Ogbeta then grabbed one on uh, 90 plus 7 when we had a corner and they broke and he finishes it quite well into the top corner. Um, yeah, that, let's talk about Bolton and particularly, you know, how good a team they were, but also Dempsey's celebration. I mean, as you mentioned there, probably one of the best sides we've seen this season, I think, in terms of the way they dominated the game and just look very comfortable. And she and they've got a player who can, you know, he looks like he's got so much time on the ball. That's one of the things that frustrated me, Dan, the fact that we didn't really ever get close to him, did we? I, th- I think in the last two home games, we've been up against two of the best midfielders in the division, yeah. in Sheehan and Brannigan. Yeah. yeah. And they they really hammer home the step up. They really do. Mm. Absolutely. They, they, they've, they've made the difference. Um, Dempsey's celebration then for his goal. He made a point about this after the game, saying he got nothing but a stick and abuse you know, from the start with it. I'll be honest with you, and obviously Mike, you weren't there, but Dan was. Um, I don't think the abuse he got was are that you, bad. Are you throwing shade at him there? <laughs> I'm just saying, because you were there. Sorry, sorry, that sounds like I was being bad there. I'm just saying, yeah. you were at the game, so you could hear more of what was being said in the crowd. I don't think he got that much stick, do you? No, not at all. Uh, smattering of booze at best, wasn't yeah, it? Smattering, but well, it wasn't, I've heard a hell of a lot worse at Brunton Park. Yeah, like he's not like McCurdy levels for crying out loud, you know. That, that, no, that, no, that's abuse. That, that was abuse, you know. Yeah, it it just it just seemed a bit ridiculous, and then he's he's doing the whole sort of winding the crowd up and stuff like that, and you know, I'm, I'm sure there's probably a few people in West Cumbria who are not very happy about him as well. The way he was, with, you know, what happened with his court case and stuff, and that he's probably a bit lucky. Some might argue with that. Um, yeah, it just it just seemed a bit silly, really, and no 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 need all round. He could have maybe just done a little bit of a shush and then left it at that. I'd have been fine, you know what? You've done it, but he he, he was continuously doing it. And when he came off the bench as well, he you know he was subbed. He was doing the same there as well. No real need for it. A bit bit, bit childish, but, but I I did find it funny how he said he'd never been back when he clearly yeah. forgot. You know, summer of twenty twenty two. Yeah. When he played in a friendly up here and then had a quiet night out in Maryport afterwards. <laughs> yeah, just good point actually. That was that night, wasn't it? Oh god, he, mm. yeah, his memory's not particularly great with that, is it? Um, yeah. yeah, no, it, it's, look, it is what it is. You know, if, if that's the way he wants to, to look at it, then then good luck to the lad. Um, yeah, there's some some great players in there. Like Dempsey was brilliant, to be fair for them, and Dakris Cogley, I think, as well. At right wing back, he looks a really good player. Um, yeah, I think we can all accept we were beaten by the much better side, but that doesn't mean mistakes weren't made. Um, let's talk about the team selection. Obviously, we mentioned before, you know, what we thought about it before the game. After the game, hindsight's a wonderful thing, obviously, but is it the right call, Mike? Should he, should he have maybe mixed it up a little bit? 
Um, I don't think many people were arguing with the lineup at the time. We, we played very well against Barnsley, um, and Bolton liked to pass the ball about as well. Um, mm-hmm. So the players that we had that were sort of good at nicking the ball off Barnsley, you know, you'd think that they'd be able to do it against Bolton, but yeah, it just wasn't to be. If I was going to put an argument forward, I, I maybe would have dropped Alfie for Jordan Gibson, because as much as his pressing was good against Barnsley, his quality on the ball at the moment is just really lacking, mm. and, it, and it's becoming a bit of a problem. Yeah, it's, it's all right saying you know he, he's good at harassing and winning the ball back. That's fine, but if he then loses the ball when he wins it back again, what, what's the point of having him in there? That you, you might as well not bother. And Jordan can win the ball back when, he, when he's on his game. But he also has that ability to bring the ball forward and pick players out with passes and stuff like that and put good balls into the box. So, yeah, I'm kind of, in my head, I mean, Dan, I think you've sort of made clear, you think that you probably couldn't really argue with him sticking with the team. But in my head, I would have brought Jordan in. Yeah, uh, purely just because of how well he did last time. You know, it's like, like I said a few minutes ago, you know, if you're the Bolton sort of, Deep line midfield stroke defenders. You see, oh, where's that Gibson who scored that trick? Oh, he's on yeah, bench. Oh, that's yeah. a result, isn't it? I mean, do you think just generally though, not just thinking about specifically about him coming in for a game against Bolton? Do you think we really should be starting him every game at the moment because he is our best creative outlet? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's so. Oh, like I said, him and Butterworth equally. Gibson for me, shades it as the better player. But the both... There's, there's elements of both's player that I like, but there's elements of both player that I don't like. And, so I, 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 you I, know, I still, it's... Oh, yeah, I probably would have started him. I mean, I, I still don't see it with Butterworth, to be honest. I, I can see sprinklings of the quality there. He's, he's a very good dribbler of the ball, and he's got quite good feet, but he just doesn't have the football brain for me. He just, I think he's a, he's a luxury in a team that's struggling at the bottom. Whereas Jordan Gibson, at the very least, you know he's going to create bits and pieces you know, going forward. I, I personally, I'd probably rather have Maguire up front than Butterworth at the moment. And Maguire's obviously fallen quite strongly out of favour in, in you know recent times. But for me, I just think Maguire's going to be a better option. <laughs> He'll be starting on Saturday the way we're looking well, up front. <laughs> not, not, not much choice, is there, right now, to be honest. Yeah. You know, we're, we're still unless, waiting. We, unless we unleash uh, Teddy Ablade. You never know. He's apparently played well against um, against Penrith in the Cumberland Cup. So I I actually think I know veering off topic a little bit here. Yeah. Terry Blade's pace might actually end up being quite a useful outlet as the season goes on late yeah, in games. Alongside Armstrong as well. I mean, if we're going to be playing this 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 sort of way of we need to be pressing teams. Him being able to run at them and constantly press would actually probably be a good outlet, potentially. But There's maybe a little bit of lack of quality over Blade, but that, that pressing, maybe that's where we need it, in that in that sort of front two, rather than in the midfield, possibly. For me, what, what we need, we need to bring in a striker with pace today, because last yeah. season, it was really good when we sort of had J.K. Gordon for 60 minutes and then brought yeah. Patrick on for 30, or vice versa. You know, yeah. I think just a Blade on his own maybe isn't enough. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, so, what Simo started doing recently again is the old tactic of switching to four three three because we're playing three five two. So you can push Mellish into midfield. Problem with this is 
it's Alfie McCallman is the player who's moving to the mm-hmm. wing. And he's not a winger in the slightest. He he drifts back inside to, to the centre, which leaves your right back completely exposed with no one tracking back to support him. Right, on, on, on the mention of McCallmont, yeah. what exactly is he? Because it's, it's, this season you struggle to answer that question for me. It's tough. He's, he's quite a good harrying midfielder, but he's not playing with confidence at all, is he? You know, last season he was his tail was up and he came into his, you know, he started really well, got that goal, you know, and he, he looked like a player who's going to cause problems. Since coming in permanently, he's been in and out of the team and he doesn't doesn't feel like he knows quite what his role is. Um I don't think he works as that number almost like that number ten of the midfield three. You know, he's not quite a full on number ten, but you know, he's the one who's more advanced. Yeah, he's good at the pressing side of it, but like I said, when he moves to the right wing, it's just a waste of a player there because he's not he put one decent cross into Mellish at the weekend, but then beyond that, obviously he was subbed at half time because we, we needed to get width out there. See, my, my hope for McCallum this season was he came in on loan last season, did well, mm-hmm. and I was looking, thinking, right, we're stepping up to League One. You've played League One before. Uh, he is he is your chance to yeah. step up and get you selling you yeah. the Northern Ireland squad. Yeah, you know, there's players happen, at this level play for Northern Ireland. Yeah, you know. And it's not happened, has it, so far? No. Um, Mike, in terms of that 4-3-3 switch, do you think that we can only really do that if if someone like Jordan Gibson or maybe Jack Diamond is playing in that midfield three? Yeah, I think so. Because, um, yeah, like you say, McCalman is almost a waste of a player when he's on the right, whereas, in my opinion, I, I think Gibson, maybe right wing is his best position. I think he's very good out there. And sometimes, when he wanders, when he sort of drifts inside because he wants the ball he seems to find the ball whereas yeah. McCalman when he wants the ball and drifts inside he just doesn't he, the game just passes him by a bit um, so yeah I think you need to be sort of starting Gibson because he can seamlessly just slot into that right wing or even left wing slot yeah yeah, and then you also, you need someone like a a diamond or an Oblade playing up front with, with Armstrong who could then go to the other wing position can't you so, um, so there you go um Let's talk about the debuts then for Diamond and Vela. I thought Jack Diamond looked a bit rusty at first, but grew into the Natural, game. Natural, I think. Yeah, 100%. That's, that's not a criticism. You'd, you'd ho- totally expect that. I think Simo himself said, didn't he, He would. we really wanted to only give him half an hour, but because <coughs> we were so desperate and we were struggling so much, he needed to bring him in and actually try and change things. Um, yeah, I think he grew into the game and you saw little sparks of what he can do in his dribbling ability. And um, Josh Vella, that lad likes to tackle, doesn't he, Dan? Because there was one tackle he put in on the edge of our box. Blimey. <laughs> I was like, oof. But it was perfectly fair tackle. You know, he won the ball. The lad was down for a little bit, wasn't he? But what's your initial thought on having seen both of them? Uh, Diamond, obviously, again, is he's got fitness, just not match fitness, a little bit mm-hmm. rusty. There was a couple of times when he got on the ball and he... he he was very old-fashioned wing player. Uh, I think we need to remember he's had two full seasons playing alongside Luke Armstrong at Harrogate. Yeah, he'll he'll know exactly what runs Armstrong likes to make. I yeah. don't think it'll take them too long to build up an understanding. Uh, yeah, good, decent forty-five minute run out. Uh, would I start him this week? Probably. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Vela, I'm, 
little bit of surprise he maybe didn't start, but I suppose with the move and that, I can see why. I would probably have brought him on at half-time because yeah. I thought it was unfair to expect Mellish to play a full hour in midfield yeah. against that quality of midfield. Like like I, like I said on the social, 15, 20 minutes as a emergency gap stop, yet yeah. that hour, I don't think that was fair on him. Uh, yeah, no, you know, Vela probably isn't the fastest player, but I think no. it's pretty clear. Well, you just look at his record of yellow cards; it's pretty clear he gets stuck in. Him, him, and Harrison Neal will start collecting yellow cards very quickly. I think. One hundred percent. I do wonder if maybe when we have this money to spend from the Moxon deal, we, we maybe need to look at a midfielder who's got a bit of pace. Because it's it's starting to look a little bit one pace that midfield. I think it's fair to say, isn't it? It's not it's not the quickest. Um, the, the the midfield's looking light. Yeah, that, I don't worry because you've got... you've got guys injured for the season. Yeah, you've got Neil and Vella. Yeah, you've got Charters who has a little knack of picking up an injury. Yeah, McGeoch sometimes he's been out the picture. Yes, and two two goal Cumberland Cup, Jaden Harris. Yeah, I knew you were going to mention the Sweet Prince there. I knew you were desperate to get his name mentioned. But he's back in contention at the end of the day. Yeah. It doesn't look like it's, you know a loan deal. He can always go on loan to a national league club after the window shuts. So there's always that option. But I do wonder if we can't get anyone in. So I'm like, well, we'll just just keep him for now and just let's see what we you know we need over the next few weeks. I think it's a big opportunity for Charters, actually, Mike. What do you think over the next few weeks, possibly to, to stamp his place in the team? Yeah, definitely. I've I've always been a massive fan of Charters, um, and I think he could well be the natural successor to Moxon. Um, mm-hmm. He's got a good laugh peg on him, a, a good set piece, uh, which is always worth having him on the pitch for. But as Dan said, you know. I don't want to throw the word injury prone about, but you do kind of worry about his injury record. Yeah, no, and, and the fact that it's it seems to be hamstring injuries every time mm. that that does I, I worry. I think if if the worst happens and we do go to League Two next season, I think it's a great opportunity for Charters to really stamp his name in the team. Definitely, and Ellis as well, to be honest. I mean, on the topic of Ellis, um, it was a tough game for him up against Ashworth. He looked, you know, very good player for for Bolton as well. Um, do you wonder if maybe Finn back comes back in next week? Obviously, he had a slight knock. I think he picked up in training, hence why he missed this one, Finn back. But um, yeah, I, I do almost wonder if maybe getting back back in the team and obviously Manuel will be back after that. Do you maybe get Ellis and move to the National League on loan just to? to keep him ticking over for the rest of the season. At the moment, he's obviously in the team there on, on, on merit, but it's it just one of those things to consider, Dan, maybe. It's really weird at, at both full-back positions because, mm. again, someone else has said this week, all our full-backs and full-backs are true wing-backs, the mm. sort of full wing-backs. Yeah. If that makes sense, yeah. Um, I think Manuel's probably the nearest we've got to be full on. He's, I think, he's a very much a wing back in the way he plays. He's not quite. As good yeah, defense, but... yeah. Well, he's certainly more attacking than defensive yeah. wise. But, but you know, I mean, if Ellis, Emmanuel, and Back are all fit, I think Back starts at the moment. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Emmanuel, you would probably use as your backup. So yeah. yes, maybe getting a loan move for Ellis, but. Back in Emmanuel, have both had knocks, so it's yeah, yeah, and, and and on the left side, it looks like we're just 
chopping and changing between Armour and Robinson at the moment. So. Yeah. Yeah, I I, th- I think that the stage that backs up with his recovery, he's probably at the stage now where he needs to play sixty minutes. So I'd keep Ellis around to bring him on for him at that point. Mm. He does seem like obviously he only wants to have one fullback on the bench. He doesn't want you know a left wing back and a right wing back, and it seems the right side is the one he's more likely to put on at the moment. But he? Ellis can sort of play right centre back as well if if needed. So he, he gives true. you a bit of versatility on the bench. Yeah, that's very true. Um, Right, I think we've probably talked enough about the game, so let's just do a quick round-up of the League One results from last weekend. I mean, some not ideal results for us, starting off with Barnsley 1, Exeter 2. Right, I'm going to make a disclaimer here. Go on. From this point forward, I don't give a shit about other teams at the moment. (laughs) All right, fair enough. No, no, no. Because there's a bit, look, there's a big gap. Yeah. And as Paul Simpson has said a couple of times... We need to take care of our business first. No, no, and we haven't. We we haven't been doing that. So let's just look at our result each week and move from there. But yeah, carry on. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's, that's, it's, it's, it's a really fair point. No, but it it it, it was just for sure when you saw come for anything. That's just typical. You know, we go to Barnsley and dominate, and we end up with a two-one loss. And Exeter have gone there and picked up a two-one win, which you know just just sums it up, doesn't it? Um, Blackpool won. Charlton won. Uh, Bristol Rovers free Oxford United won. That was a surprise result, wasn't it? Because Oxford are flying, um, and Bristol Rovers had been struggling as well. Typically, uh, Cambridge nil, Burton nil. Obviously, we lost four one against Bolton. Um, Derby two, Cheltenham one. That was a good one for us because Cheltenham were winning at one point in that game. I think so. That was uh, good news. Um, Lincoln nil nil against Peterborough. Northampton lost two nil at home against Shrewsbury. Have just appointed Paul Hurst, I think, as manager again. So he'll be looking to perform a miracle with them. I think. Um, Port Vale nil, Portsmouth one. Oh, we've got to talk about this briefly before we go any further. I think everybody's seen it, haven't they? The clip of the, the fella running on the pitch to confront the referee. Oh, my God. 62 years old. 62 years old? I couldn't believe that, but as well. I was like... He had a bit hey, of turn of pace on him. I can say, if you said we need pace and attack, he's Could, a free agent. Do a job for us? Go on, get, get him signed up. <laughs> bit of experience in there as well. That just just ridiculous that was, to be fair, but, but there you go. Uh, Reading won, Leighton Orient won. Uh, Wigan lost 3-2 at home against Stevenage. And Wickham drew two two with Fleetwood. I think that wraps up the uh, the. I'll, I'll tell you something. I'm just looking at the league table. It's got to be some battle for them top two stop, uh, spots, isn't it? Because you've got Portsmouth, Bolton, Peterborough, Derby, Barnsley, Oxford, and even Stevenage. If we win a couple of games in hand, are banging the mix. Yeah, it, 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 it's very tight at the top, and it's actually very tight at the bottom actually as well. Once you jump the gap up from us to, to the, the outside the relegations, haven't it? There's only about three or four points separating about ten places, isn't it? It's... Five. Well, that's, Lincoln, that's the... Lincoln are in twelfth on thirty-five. Port Vale are in twentieth on thirty. Well, there you go. We we've had relegation dogfights in the past, though, where basically there's been that one team just above the relegation zone that were trying to close down and you know if if you're lucky enough to get a win and they get a win well you haven't gained any ground but because this year there's like three or four or five teams sort of that you're trying to close down on so when we get a win chances are not all of them teams are going to win so chances are we are going to be gaining ground yeah, that, that's what we're going to hope for anyway. That's, that's what we're going to pray for. Um, right, we're going to take a short break. After the break, we're back for part two, where I will be speaking to Paul from the Orient Outlook podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about how they find life in League One this season, much better than us, I think it's fair to say. Um, how they dealt with the uh, loss of their two best players in Vigaru and Paul Smith last season. 
and um, basically some thoughts on the January transfer winner, because I don't think they've been particularly busy in it, it's fair to say. Um, right, we'll be back just after this break. Hi, it's uh, Tom Pyatic the second, and you're listening to the Brunton Bugle. Yes, welcome back. We're into part two of this week's episode of the Brunton Bugle, which of course means it's time for Behind Enemy Lines, where we talk to an opposition fan about their team ahead of the big game this weekend. And of course, we're playing our, our good friends, Leighton Orient. We play them quite a lot down the years. Um, and we're speaking to Paul from the Orient Outlook podcast today. Paul, how are you doing? Good, thanks, Lee. Thanks for having us on. Good to be uh, chatting to you. And hopefully, come the end of the season, you'll be above that dotted line rather than where you are at the moment. Well, it, it remains to be seen right now. We're recording this. This is weird because we record the main post podcast on Thursday afternoon. And we were hoping we'd have some signings done by the time I spoke to you this evening, on Thursday oh. evening. As it is, we're still sort of sitting there looking two and a half hours to go. Is someone going to come in? I don't know. We'll, we'll have to wait and see with that. But let's talk about Leighton Orient then. And so you guys were promoted as champions in League yeah. 2 last season. You, and you were comfortably the best side we played last year. Just all round a really polished outfit. You did lose two of your best players over the summer on a free transfers, and yet you seem to have taken to, to League One pretty well. You, you must be really pleased for how things have gone so far. Delighted. If you'd have said to me we'd be ninth, 10th, 11th, around that sort of spot uh, at this point, at any point in this season, you know, mm. uh, would have bitten your arm off for it because, you know, comf- com- being comfortable in this, in this league, adjusting to a higher league is never easy, as, it, as, as you well know. Um, but, you know, Stevenage and Northampton are also up there. So, you know, we're not an exception to the rule. We, we, we're kind of part of that. Um, and so from our perspective, we have a, a transfer team who look to buy players who are capable of playing at the next level. We have a cycle, like a three to four year cycle, where we improve the squad season upon season and sign players who can get us to that next stage. People that either have potential or have played at a higher level and for whatever reason it's not worked out for them and they've dropped down and but have that pedigree and quality that Richie can work with. But he knows how his side wants, how he sets up. We're very fluid and we're very dangerous. We've got some great athletic players, some great ball winning and dribbling players as well. So from that point of view, um, you know, we, we you know, transfers are not an exact science. Um, you do your best and you hope that the signings will, will, will pay off. Not all of them do. No, nothing's perfect. Um, but yeah, you know, we lost our two best players. Quite rightly, Lawrence Figaro earned a play, earned a move up the leagues. He was clearly by far the best keeper in that in yeah. that division yeah. two last season, clearly playing below his his capability. So we obviously, you know, his contract had run out and he's gone and joined Burnley. I think he's wasted there, but from a financial perspective, yeah. it, it helps his family for life. So I don't really grudge him that. He deserves that move. Um, and I think he's just gone on loan to a League of Ireland side uh, as well. Oh. Um, so that's a bit of a shame. Paul Smith, uh, yeah, helped. You know, he was our leading scorer, helped drag us through games, kept us up the pitch, great athleticism, suffered a lot with injuries, but we had to manage that. I don't think they're doing so well with him like that at QPR because he still has his yeah. injuries and he's not in the side as much. Great little player. But, you know, we replaced him uh, with Dana Jay, um, who has also suffered some injuries this season, it's fair to say. And just as he's got going, we fear, we fear, this is not an exclusive, it's been doing the rounds on our hashtag LOFC uh, on our LOC hashtag on Twitter um, that he's possibly injured. We don't know for sure. The club haven't announced. Um, mm-hmm. But he's in form, four goals in four games. Um, so from that point of view, um, it's very much 
we're hoping that that's not true. Um, we also lost Jordan Graham, another experienced winger that we bought in. We lost mm. him a few months ago. He's on his recovery. He's done his knee. So he's had his operation. He's in recovery now. Um, so, yeah, two really impactful players that, that aren't cheap that we, that we bought in. And, and um, you know, we've seen the quality that they have. We just need to get them back firing on all cylinders. And, and I think we'll, we'll be a dangerous outfit next season if we can keep the main main. Uh, skeleton of our side together. Uh, obviously, we've got clubs out of uh, players out of contract come the end of the season. But I think we've recruited well. We've recruited sensibly, um, not only in the summer um, where we were able to keep you know nigh on the majority of our squad together, which I think is important mm-hmm. for consistency. Yeah, you mentioned obviously about the step up there. I'm just curious as to how you guys have found it because. As a club and our fan base, we've always looked at these games. I mean, the opening game of the season, we played Fleetwood at home. And we were like, wow, these guys are better than pretty much every club we've played last season. Before We thought they were going to be a mid-table side. And right? this is a real test. And you look at them, they're below us in the table. Mm. So there's a kind of feeling of like it, it is a real step up from, from League 2 and Alphonse. But I don't know how you guys have found it. Well, we started off, we lost our first game to Charlton 1-0. Um, in a game where we probably should have walked away with something. Um, I missed that game and I missed the next game, Portsmouth at home, that we lost 4-0. But Rich is adamant that that wasn't a 4-0 game. Uh, we had eight or nine players out injured as well. Um, you know, we, you know, if, if, if we'd have been a bit more clinical at either end, that's probably a 2-0 game or maybe a 2 all draw or something like that. But you know, the score doesn't lie. It was 4-0. We lost it. That's, that's cool. Portsmouth top of the league and all the rest of it. But what is... But but you know the, the good thing is that when you know Rich is coming on the podcast and doing the post match interviews, it's he's very pragmatic about it. He never gets high with the highs or low with the lows. Yeah. He looks at the performances in isolation and looks for what did we do well and what didn't we do well and what can we improve on. So from that point of view, he's always pragmatic with how he looks at things and and you know he knows what he sees from his squad and he knows what he wants from his squad. Um, yeah, so I think arguably we've be, we've gone toe to toe with some of the best teams in this league, and, and we've given them a run for their money. Some we've lost, and some we've won. Um, you know, Bolton just before Christmas uh, on the twenty third. You know, we lost that three two. We were three 0 down inside nine minutes in the first nine minutes, um, and then we pulled two goals back in the second half. Probably could have equalised and come away with a point, but we didn't. But since then, we haven't lost. Um, so you know, arguably one of the form form sides of the league. So we don't really fear anybody, to be honest with you. Um, we went to Portsmouth, um, beat them. We, yeah, beat Charlton, drew with Wickham. Cambridge got points against Cambridge. So, yeah, I mean, th- there are some dangerous sides in this league that if you don't keep your guard up and play on form, they will tear you uh, tear you apart. There's no question. Yeah, you've got me worried now because you're talking about all these good teams you've beaten and we, we've we beaten Bolton and that's about it in terms of the good teams this season. But there you go. Um, I want to talk about your summer recruitment because your winter recruitment has been pretty quiet. Yeah. Um, your summer recruitment, the players you brought, you mentioned, mentioned Ajayi there, but of the other players you brought in, who, who particularly is impressed? Obviously, Brandon Cooper you've made into a permanent deal in January as well. We did. Um, you, mentioned, you mentioned Jordan Graham. So Joe Piggott's one that always stood out for me as a... He was really good in the game at Brunton Park, I thought, in terms of being a target man. He really gave you a focal point. And, and obviously, bit, being able to bring back Idris El, El Mazzuni as well, that must yes. be a real bonus for you. I think, I think you're absolutely right. Idris El Mazzuni was probably the, the signing that we didn't think was ever going to happen. And Martin Ling came on the, our podcast and he said, you know, he was sitting on his couch one evening and thought, you know what, I'm just going to drop him a text message. 
and he did and Idris responded straight away and said I want to come back can you make it happen and so he did so from that point of view he was probably one of the signings that we felt we really needed then Ajay was brought in to replace Paul Smith unfortunately he's been injured for he broke down or broke his leg I I can't remember what he did in pre-season and that kept him out till about December um, and so we've just started to see him reintegrated into the squad. Um, and, and and he's done really well of, of recent time. Um, we also signed Jordan Graham. Jordan was um, is a very good player. Um, helped us get up the pitch, helped us stay up the pitch. His pinpoint crossing, his ability to find a yard of space and cross in uh, was dangerous. I think Joe Piggott has dis- been a bit disappointing. He's probably admit himself that he's not had the best of times. He's not a starter. He comes on. Um, tall guy, but I don't think he likes to be the target guy. I think he likes to ball into feet. Richie doesn't really play with an out and out, you know, nine and ten. Um, he 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 does a, a four two three one and loose variations and fluid fluid arrangements around around that. So when we're defending, it, it, you know, it's quite compact. Um, so you know, it doesn't really work that way. Dana Jay has been the of recent time. He's been the, the one up top with three behind him. So from that point of view, he comes on and, and sort of either helps us keep the game calm and, and with his experience. But I, I think, you know, he needs a couple of more goals. And I think that that will probably give him a massive boost um, as well. Um, we also um, had come in uh, to us, uh, Eth- uh, was it Ethan Galbraith, was it? On a signing, I think he was. From Manchester yeah, United, yeah, and Shaq Ford, young lad from from Watford, who's of recent time been absolutely excellent out wide in a right um, of the front of of the three that sits behind the one. He's been on the right of that, um, and as a striker, he's done extremely well uh, of recent time as well. Grown into grown into that role, and we re-signed Ed Turns, left centre back. We signed him. Uh, again, from Brighton. Again, he had a great season with us last season. It was very, very useful for, for what we were trying to achieve. And, and uh, Richie managed to get him back, or Marty managed to get him back uh, on loan for this for this season. Bit injured, went out went out and played with Wales under 21s. Uh, I think he's their captain. Um, yeah, so we've got a good pedigree of, of backup players as well. You know, Dan Happy and Omar Beckles are doing tremendous at the back. So him and Brandon aren't getting starting birds at the moment, which says a lot because they're good young players. You really are terrified with how good your squad sounds at the moment. I mean, form-wise, you are the second best team in the division of the last yeah. six games. I mean, and and the thing is, you, people might look at me, God, maybe they've been playing against weaker opposition. Well, you've beaten we was it Bolton. Was it Bolton you beat? Was it no, we lost to Bolton. Oh, sorry, we lost three-two to Bolton um, just before Christmas. We then went. Uh, we then came home and beat Charlton. We drew with Wickham. We then went to Cambridge on New Year's Day and beat them 2-0. We beat Portsmouth in their backyard 3-0. Yes, that was it. Portsmouth was That's, that was the Portsmouth. game changer, I think. That was the one where everyone sat up and took notice of us because we went to top of the table, Portsmouth, and turned them over convincingly. There wasn't even a, yeah. it wasn't even a lucky win. That was a convincing performance, and Portsmouth were probably not at it. John Messina was obviously quite, quite livid, or whoever the Portsmouth manager was quite livid about that. So... Um, yeah, and then we beat Bolton at home and then we went away to Reading last week and, and we got a draw there. They're, they're no easy side either. They're probably in a bit no. of a position as well. But, you know, we don't really fear anyone. We're well organised. We're hard to beat. We, you know, we've got a hard-working, physically fit side. Um, but, you know, every, every dog has its day. Hopefully you don't have yours on Saturday against us and wish you well for the rest of the season. But, you know, I don't want to see you go down. 
I mean, you guys look like you're heading towards a comfortable mid-table position. Do you think mm. a playoff place is probably just a little bit too far out of reach this season? Yeah, I think so. If you look at the table at the moment, we need about another 10 or 15 points really to to get that comfortable spot. Mm. And I think there are teams who will, will push on and probably put, maybe even push past us. Or, or, or if they don't, they'll just cement their, their positions in, in, in the league at the moment. I think probably the outer liar in, in that chasing pack are probably Stevenage. Um, to be perfectly yeah. honest, who are a sort of smallerish club to us by comparison. But I think yeah. if you were a betting person at the, at the beginning of the season, you'd have had Portsmouth, Bolton, Peterborough, Derby, Barnsley, probably Oxford and Blackpool in the mix. I think yeah. the only ones, I mean, Wigan have had the points deduction, haven't they? Yeah. I don't think they're yeah, a team. Charlton's a surprise as well. Side of May, you'd think they'd have been up there, but they score goals, but they can't They can't keep clean sheets is the problem. So That's exactly right. I think yeah. the only outer liars really are, are, are Charlton and, um, and Wigan. Are probably to you know Reading and oh, yeah. Wigan to an extent, not so much because they've had a points deduction. So so they probably they're they're slightly in a false position uh, as as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, arguably Charlton probably should be up there as well. But you know they are where they are. The table doesn't lie. We're over halfway through the season, so. Mm. I mean, what, what's the hopes for you guys over the next few years? And obviously, hoping to establish yourselves in in League One this season. But I guess the the aim then is to, to try and kick on and, and potentially push yourselves for a place in the Championship. That would be ideal. Yeah, that would kind of reset to where we were 10 years ago, to be honest. We were a penalty kick away in the playoff final mm. to a certain Steve Evans' is Rotherham. And our yeah, former player scored two worldies. And uh, yeah, and then we lost on penalties. So yeah, we, you know, we haven't got the infrastructure to be a, a championship side. You know, they, they lose about £20 million a season. We, we don't have those yeah. pockets deep enough to, to be able to, to do that. So not to say that if we weren't in and around the playoffs that we wouldn't go for the push we would but by the same token at the moment it's about stabilizing in this league finding our feet cementing ourselves as a as a strong league one side and then seeing where we can go from there we've got a stadium that we sell out pretty much every week at the moment which is almost unheard of in orient history mm. um you know 10 years ago we were barely getting four and a half thousand fans in a week and now we're getting nearly double that so we, we've come a long way but we nearly lost our club in the process so we'd never take for granted the fact that we are a viable, alive and kicking club, pun intended. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it's funny because I think there's a lot of parallels and similarities between our two clubs really, in that sense, and that you only have to go back a few years and we were struggling to get 3,000 on Tuesday night games. And now, you know, we're getting seven, 8,000 in those games. And, mm. you know, and like you said, we, we probably feel like we could be a lower end championship club possibly. And I think clubs like ourselves are good need to look at the likes of Rotherham and, Peter almost, don't we? And those clubs that sort of bounce between the championship and league one, but they're, they're fairly well run. They they seem to turn over players and, and transfers quite well. They've got a bit of backing behind them in the likes of Peter, obviously. But I kind of think that's that's sort of the aim, I think, for clubs like us, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's really about doing the best that you can, being a community club, having proper fans that are, you know, a, a, a true supporters of the club. You don't want tourists coming in. You know, that that's always the danger when you go up that you suddenly attract people that are, you know, it, it diminishes the atmosphere and the togetherness and the camaraderie and people that have, haven't have supported us for very long are always welcomed in and, and part of the family. You know, we never turn anybody away. No, absolutely. Well, uh, I've used up a bit of your time here, Paul, on a Thursday night when I'm sure you, you're waiting to see if you're going to get any signings coming in. I'm watching Simply my phone like furiously refreshing I, as, as we I'm speak. I'm keeping an eye out. 
I'm keeping an eye out for. I've got no notifications. I don't think yet. Nope, still nothing coming through. I think, but there you go. Um, before we go, I've got to ask you for a prediction for this one. I've got a funny feeling. I know what it's going to be because pretty much everyone else has predicted the same thing against us this season. So yeah, I'm going to have to go for a win. I think I feel comfortable and confident with us, but you never know. Banana skin, like I said, every dog has its day, and you've made a whole host of new signings. They, you know, in theory, it shouldn't work. It should take time to click. Um, yeah. because that's just human nature and human performance. But by the same token, um, I- I'm going to stick with a, a 2 nil win to the O's. Paul, thanks for your time and all the best for the rest of the season after this weekend. I, yeah, I, do, I do say that genuinely because because we we do love our away days to Orient. Unfortunately, the train strikes have made it difficult this weekend for us, but mm. genuinely, um, yeah, well, all the best. Safe travels to everyone who's coming down. And uh, yeah, we're a friendly club. So, uh, you know, you'll be welcomed warmly. And uh, I wish you all the best for the rest of the season after this. And I genuinely hope you stay up. This is John Mellish. You listen to the Brunton Bugle. And we're back for part three of uh, this week's Brunton Bugle. Um, we just done a quick check there, haven't we, guys? And there's still no signings being made. It's inevitable. It's going to happen after we finish recording. Just all, yeah. always the case. Always the case. Um, right, well, let's look ahead to this weekend's game against uh, Leighton Orient down in London. A frustrating one, Dan, isn't it, for the fans? Because you can't get there by train because of the, the strikes. And, yeah, it, it's the reality of it, isn't it? Avanti basically decided they don't want to run any services rather than running a, a limited service on the day. But, um, yeah, I imagine that's probably going to impact on the following for the Blues. Yeah, uh, always a popular away day. Uh, it's my third most visited football league ground uh, <laughs> randomly. Yes, I did stay half a mile from the ground when I worked in London, but I only went to one non-Carlisle match at Orient. It was actually Orient Leeds, and I believe Paul Huntington sorted the tickets for my mate. So that, that was a long time, about 15 years ago now. Yeah. What's your but, second uh, most visited? Rochdale. Rochdale, I thought it was going to be Rochdale. To be yeah, fair. yeah. yeah. Brunton Park, Rochdale, Leighton Orient, then you've got your... Hartlepools and Darlingtons and York and those types. While while you're talking now, then carry on talking. Sorry, I'm going to look up what mine are. But <laughs> <'Cause I haven't laughs> well, yeah, no, um, you know, Vanty, no trains. You can't get via. Annoyingly, you can't get via Newcastle because the one that you could is on a diversion at the south end of the country. So you can get back as far as Hexham, I think it is. But even then, yeah. you've got to get yourself home. But yeah, yeah, disappointing, but. Is what it is, isn't it? I'm just checking there. Brunton Park, obviously, they both visited. My second most visit is Prenton Park, uh, Tranmere, which to be expected with where I live. And my third yeah. most visit it is Rochdale as well, actually, to be fair. And then yeah, it's all Rochdale will be high up on a lot, won't it? Yeah, all them in fourth place for me as well. Um, yeah, Mike, so looking ahead to this game this weekend, Leighton Orient. Yeah, I think it's very fair to say that they've they found their feet much quicker and much easier than we have in League One this season, haven't they? Yeah, definitely. Um, and you look at the the summer recruitment, and I think it, it's just been smart, hasn't it? They've they've got players mm-hmm. who are uh, like used to this level. Um, I mean, I, I've spoken about him a few times in this podcast, but I think Joe Piggott is a yeah. brilliant signing. He's only scored two goals in twenty two games, but that's not what he's about. He, he brings the best out of the players around him, and um, obviously they pipped us to that Dan Agyai. Uh, from crew Ajay Ajay yeah um, and he, he, he's he been alright he seems to have, have come into a little spell of form recently um, he's the kind of player that you'd see playing off Piggott um, 
but yeah, they've taken to it like a duck to water, haven't they? And a lot of people have been saying that, oh yeah, the step up from League One to League Two is a lot tougher than we expected, but Orient and Stevenage certainly haven't struggled. No, absolutely. I think one player that, that you were keen on, Dan, that they've signed um, and has done pretty well for them is Ethan Galbraith from Manchester United. He's he's done really well, hasn't he? Yeah, great signing. Absolutely great signing. Uh, he's... I was surprised he never went in championship, to be honest. Mm. And I think he will end up in the championship. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's exactly what we, we would have liked in the, the middle of the park. I mean, they obviously lost Vigaru to, to Burnley, who's you know, a huge player for them. He's not actually played a game for Burnley. He's the third choice there, living the, living the great life there. Isn't it? That, that's one of those jobs you'd love, isn't it? A third choice goalkeeper mm. in a Premier League club. Barely ever get to play, but you get, get to take a nice pack at home with you. Um, we placed him with Sol Brin, who obviously was at Swindon last season, and he seems to have really stepped up for them too, hasn't he? Yeah, uh, Solomon, to give him his official name. Yes, sorry. Yes, Solomon. Yeah, uh, he's, he was ex-Middlesbrough, wasn't he, Brin? Yeah, he's on loan from Middlesbrough, isn't he? I think, yeah, he's he, still on loan from Middlesbrough, yeah. Was, it, was he not the one who was at Queen of the South as well on loan? Oh, he might well have been. I'm going to double-check that while you're I'm, I'm sure they signed yeah, the keeper from Middlesbrough. Well, while you're talking, I'll, I'll look that up, but... um. Uh, yeah, he was. He was on loan from Middlesbrough. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, he, he seems to be a player who's really made this step up, hasn't he, for them as well. Obviously, he hasn't played in League Two last season. Um, looking through the rest of, like, the, the, rest of the, the recruitment's been quite good. They've got a couple of loan players. I mean, El Mazzuni, brilliant player this level, isn't he? You know, a mm. brilliant player at League Two level last season. He, he's really taken that step up, too. Like you say, Mike, it's just a very... I mean, if you look at the attack, they haven't really got that much in terms of goals there. But they've got so much quality in the rest of the team, it doesn't really matter that much, does it? But last season, I think, they their goals were really spread out through the team, yeah, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, Smith got a lot. They, they were like Hussey and Archdeacon was top scorer. Mm. Yes, yes, you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, Theo Archibald, he's playing much more of a functional role than this season, I think, isn't he? Because last last season he was very much the front, that front three, wasn't he? But I think he's played a wing-back a lot this season. And we saw in the game at Brunham Park, you know, he's capable of doing that sort of job for the team as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's, he's got real quality as well, hasn't he? Yeah. And um, when someone like him isn't your star player then that kind of indicates just the quality that you actually have. Because I think if he played for Carlisle, he'd be playing every week. Yeah, I mean, George Moncour as well, you know, far too good for, for League 2 level last season. He, he's again settled in at uh, League 1 level. Do you, do you think, Dan, they're likely to, to be safe? No, no, not safe now, but, you know, they put themselves in a position where it, they'd have to go on a terrible run to end up going down, wouldn't they? I'd be very surprised if we weren't mid, at least mid-table by the end of the season. Yeah. Do you think that they've gained the advantage of being, you know, the, the team that finished at champions and are able to sort of plan ahead Definitely, a bit more? Yeah, I mean, obviously, they've I lost those that, two big players, but still. It was pretty obvious they were going to be champions fairly early, wasn't it? Yeah. Which is, uh, I mean, you will recall chaps that I did put them down as a dark horse for the division oh, at the goes, start of the season. Goes. Bragging as usual. I mean, to be fair, yeah. not none of us can talk about predictions this season. When when Charlton Athletic, you look where they are at the table. I think mm. all three of us had them to do quite well. So let let's just, just leave it at that, shall we? I've still got a chance of my top two. I was just having a look. I think who, I said Derby and Bolton. 
I think I did. I think I said the different way around to you. I think I said Bolton. Bolton Derby, champions, Derby promoted. Yeah. Is that what you? Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not going to talk about what I put. Anyway, um... <laughs> how are Wickham doing, Mike? How are Wickham Wonders doing? Um, yeah, not very yeah, well. No, no. But yeah, so I had them. I had them as a surprise struggler, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. Then you're on the money on that one. To be fair, um, in terms of form, they actually are the second best team in the division right now, Orient. Their record, they've only lost, I think, one of their last... Uh, in fact, they've drawn one of their last... Um, I put two draws there. I think that's actually just one draw of their last... Uh, They're really strange six. at home, though, aren't they? Mm. They're not... They don't score loads of goals at home. No. But, yeah. You know, they're, they're defensively... You'd expect them to be strong defensively. When you look at the squad, though, Dan, I mean... Omar Beckles, great player. Dan Happ, great player. Level, you know, Sweeney and... Um, you know, Brandon Cooper they've signed permanently from Swansea having been on loan for the first half of the season they just look so solid at the back don't they that's the thing that really stands out um, I do wonder it's Harrison Sodji one of the uh, the famous Sodji family I wonder if he if, you know there's about got to be, hasn't a million of them wasn't it? you'd think so surely didn't a couple of them end up fixing games or something I think one of them did possibly so let's, let's, let's yeah. say a couple let's say one because I'm fairly sure one has <laughs> Soji is of Nigerian descent and related to Sam Soji. Well, Sam Soji, I think, if I'm right, he, he he's related to FA and, and those like, isn't he? I think I'm pretty sure. I'm looking. Yeah. Uh, da da da. Sam, uh, four brothers who also play football, three of them professionally, one semi-professionally. Akpo, FA, uh, and um, Steve, who never played in the football league, um, and another brother, Bright, used to play rugby league and rugby union. So. Are you, are you reading cool. Wikipedia there by any chance? I am. I'm reading Wikipedia. <laughs> Sam Sodji's Wikipedia. Uh, Sam Sodji is the one who is linked to uh, match fixing and money laundering allegations. So, so yeah. let, let's leave it there, shall we? Um, yes. So, I mean, looking at the recent results, there are some cracking recent results, haven't they? I mean, they drew 1 1 last time out with uh, Reading, but they've beaten Bolton Wanderers 1 0. They won 3 0 at Portsmouth. You know, that. Pretty decent side, to be fair. Mm. You know that certainly no mugs. It's going to be a tough game this weekend. Um, Richie Wellens, obviously, he's Mister Popular with the Carlisle fans, but you can't deny Mike. He's a very good manager, though, isn't he? He is. Yeah. Uh, as much as I can't stand him, uh, he's 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 done a really good job. Um, yeah, there's not a, a lot more that you're going to force out of me than those. Few words. <laughs> you're not going to get get anything else nice to say. About my it's like it's like Steve Evans. Everybody hates Steve Evans, yeah. but begrudgingly, you've got to say, he's a good manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he knows his stuff, doesn't he? Yeah, there you go. Um, right, referee for this one, Ollie Yates from Staffordshire. It's his eighth season as an EFL referee, started in 2016. This season, he's taken charge of 24 games, handing out 103 yellows and six red cards. And last season, he handed out 141 yellows and one red card in 35 games. The last game he took charge of was uh, the nil-nil draw with Walsall last season and no one was booked that day. What a thrilling game that must have been. I wasn't there because I was actually in Berlin watching Hertha against Cologne. So I, I picked a good one to miss that weekend, I think it's fair to say. Um, for, you... for memory, was that not the game that was just incredibly boring? It was just... Was the away one? Well, no. No, oh. it was up, up at Brunton. I'm, I'm sure that was a game where literally nothing happened. Weren't both games nil-nil last season against Yeah, them? I remember the away one was boring. <laughs> It's still not the most boring game ever against Walsall, which has to be that game at the end of the COVID season. Do you remember? 
Yeah, that, that's, that's how good the game was, basically. <laughs> the very last day, last game of the season, we played against them. It was a dead rubber, obviously. And it finished nil-nil and just nothing happened. It was an awful, awful... I don't know why the football league couldn't have said, like, you know what, let's just say it was a nil-nil draw and let's, let's not bother playing it. That would have been a better solution yeah. for everybody all around in that. But there you go. Um... Yeah, in terms of head-to-heads, it's 65th meeting between the two sides. Played them a lot, haven't we? For a team down south, they must be. They've got to be up there as probably the, the team, let's say, south of Birmingham that we've played the most. You'd think mm. 65 times. Um, they're slightly ahead now in the head-to-heads. Um, we've won 24. They've won 25, and 15 have been draws. We've lost the last four games in a row against them, including twice already this season in the league and FA Cup. Prior to that run, though, we'd only lost one in nine of this fixture. So it sort of swings and roundabouts with games against Oregon. We have a really good run and we have a really terrible run. There's no sort of back and forth, really, is there? It's just a consistent thing. So there you go. Um, let's talk about United then. Looking ahead to the game. Obviously, Coyote's still out with his calf injury by the looks of things. We've had no update on that. Simi will be doing his press conference right about now while we're recording. Um, I'm, I'm, and- I'd hope he's not. What do you mean? Well, I'd, I'd hope he's... Talking to players, not talking well, to the press. I, I, I know, but you know, <laughs> because they travel on a Friday, don't they? For a big long yeah, distance. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think it'll be a long press conference today. <laughs> no, no, I think there'll probably be a lot of questions about uh, a, a midfielder moving away, possibly. But there you go. Um, Corey Wheeler possibly a doubt for this because of a calf injury picked up at the start of the week, which meant he missed the Cumberland Cup game. Um, and Josh Emmanuel uh, was still not one hundred percent certain when he's going to be back fit. Uh, Terry Blader is fit again though, though he's available. Um, so come on then, Dan. What 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 are you thinking for this one? What what do we do without Moxon going forward? Do we stick with three five two? Do we go with a four three three? Now we've got a couple of wingers in. Um, how do you do that midfield? How do you balance out well, that midfield three as well? I I put a post up on Twitter a few days ago, and mm-hmm. I just said sod it back to basics four four two wide men who'll have a go, and I put assuming all fit and available, and I deliberately didn't put Moxon in in case he went. I came up with a team of Lewis in goal, back and armour, Lavelle and Mellish, Neil and Vellard in the middle, Diamond and Gibson on the wings, Armstrong and a new striker up front. See, and it, got, it created a, a little bit of debate, you know, it, because... It, there was a good debate. I, I think I've, I was messaging you about it, wasn't I? I, think, I, I just can't... I think 4-4-2, we get too overrun. I think that that's one of the problems I actually had at the weekend was... I think Simo made a mistake with his sub bringing on on Vela for um, not Vela, sorry, um, Garner on. Who did, who did Garner come on for? I can't remember. Was it Harrison Neal? I think it was Harrison Neal, wasn't it? Um, I, I think was... I think if if we went three at up front, uh, currently, obviously, bear in mind we may sign players later today. Mm-hmm. I think you're looking at Gibson and Diamond either side of Armstrong. I yeah, think that's yeah, our strongest three. Yeah, and I think in the middle you're definitely going to have. Neil and Vela playing. Yeah. And the question is, is it McCalmont or another? You know. Ch- charters for me. I would go that free because I think the charters, you need someone who's going to get hold of the ball and pl- play those threaded passes to, you know, get those wingers in behind and stuff like that. He'll also get up and down on the left side a bit as well. Yeah. And he also, you know. something we need to consider, he offers a set piece option. Because at the moment, the only set piece option we're going to have is Robinson, I think. And, there's no guarantee he's going to start. He might start armouring games. So mm. that's something we actually need to consider now Moxon's gone. 
And Chart, Chart has offers that shot from outside the box as well that can sometimes yes. just cause, if it doesn't go in, it can cause a bit of havoc. So, Yeah, no. I mean, what what would you do, Mike, in terms of selection? I mean, I presume if we're going back four, we're, we're going back with Lavelle and, and Mellish in there as well, but I, I don't know. Yeah. I, can, I can see Dan's case for four four two because we're struggling really for a good three-man midfield. Um, mm. what's, I think, the like, best, what's the best form of defence? Well, yeah, attack. attack. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd, I'd be inclined to go with that midfield three of uh, Neil, Vila and Charters, give that a go. Um, and, yeah, a front three of Diamond, Armstrong, Gibson. But Diamond isn't going to play a full a full 90, is he? Um, no. You got, so you'd you may, got a maybe bring a Blardy on off the bench, yeah. Um, but I, I just think if that's your start at 11... I don't know what your plan B could be. That that is the question, I suppose, isn't it? So I guess McCallum will be on the bench if Chart is starting. Maguire's going to be on there as your striker because that's all we've got there. Abladi's got to come onto the bench, you'd think, you know, in terms of giving us an yeah. option there. Um, and then I don't know what do you go with McGeeuk? I guess at the moment be the other midfielder. Mm-hmm. Does anyone else have missed out there? Probably forgot someone. No, Jane Harris, of course. You know, as Dan mentioned. Um, Goal scoring midfield at present. No, yeah, yeah, and then and then obviously you could have two defenders in there. I mean, you've got options there: Green and Barkley, and and you know defenders sort itself out on the bench, doesn't it? At the end of the day, that that's fine. Mm. It's, it's what you do with midfields and stuff like that. So, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I think does it, it'll be very interesting to see what team starts at the weekend. Uh, like you said, I'm not convinced Diamond's going to be fit enough to play the full ninety. So you definitely need an option on there to to change things on the wing, possibly. You'd, you'd imagine another striker's probably coming in today, so they'll probably be on the bench as well, maybe. Is, is I'll put you Yeah, me too, to be fair. We, we, we do definitely need one, but there you go. Um, right, let's do match predictions. Um, I don't, did anyone get any points last week, Mike? I haven't, you're no, the one who's no. the scorekeeper, and I have the chance to keep. So, yeah, n- no one predicted Gibson to score, and obviously no one predicted us to lose 4 1. So. Yes, okay, so right, let, let, let's get started then. Um, Mike, you can go first with your prediction. Uh, I'll go for a 2-1 win and I'll go for a goal from Armstrong and a goal from Mellish. Okay. Dan, what are you going for? A shithousery 1-0 smash and grab. Luke Armstrong. Luke Armstrong to get the goal. Okay, fair enough. Uh, well, I might as well complete this set of Luke Armstrong as a goal scorer in mind, but I'm... You know, there was a part of me tempted to go through defeat as like a reverse psychology thing and hope that if they win, I'll be quite happy to not get any points. But I'm not. I'm going to go for a 2-1 win as well as Mike, and I'm going to go Armstrong and uh, Jordan Gibson to get the other goal. Armstrong and Gibson to get the goals. So there you go. Right, X-Blues time. Dan, there's a few bits to catch up on here for this last week. Yeah, uh, the weekend. Brad Potts got his 50th league goal of his career as mm. Preston drew one all at Millwall. Uh, some bloke called Carl Dempsey scored. Uh, Toby Shaw Silver scored yeah, for Maidenhead United. Uh, another goal. Yeah. Uh, Sonny Hilton scored mm-hmm. for Bootle in the 3 1 win over Chase Town. There wasn't that many actually at the weekend, was there? No, it was quite. I've given the FA Cup made yeah, a few games off yeah. and stuff like that. But there you go. Uh, midweek, not weekend as you put on the notes. Sorry, I uh, need to change. Naki Wells scored first one for a while. Bristol mm. City in the two all draw at Coventry. Yeah. Uh, Mike Obiero scored for Wealdstone in a three all draw with Aldershot. That, that, I looked up that 
to check the stat that you know who they've been playing for that. That was a mad game. That I think yeah, Wilson yeah. had two plays sent off as well in that game. So crazy. Yeah, uh, Mark Ellis scored. Unfortunately, it was in his own goal. Yeah. Uh, Charlie in a three-two home win over Alfreton Town, and Tristan Abraham saw red sent off for Welling in a two-one home win over Hampton and Richmond. A uh, little bit of other news: Geffen Jones started for Australia in a four-nil win over Indonesia. As I say, they play South Korea uh, mm. tomorrow. Pascal Chimbonda made a playing comeback at the age of forty-four for Skelmersdale United in a two-all draw with Chadwick Richard. Brilliant that. Mm. I mean, got a lot of interest on their socials. This I know. I I always have to remind myself that Charnock Richard is not just a service station; it's also a place. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever I see them mentioned, it just it confuses me. There you go. And uh, Simon Grand is signed for Bamber Bridge after leaving Lancaster City. That guy's going to keep playing until he's fifty. It's fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah. It'd be like that Japanese fifty-four-year-old striker, won't it? The Mm. King Kazoo. Yeah, he's he's playing. Is he playing the Portuguese second division now? I think. I think the club he plays for in Japan somewhere bizarre, wasn't it? Are owned by like a they own a Portuguese club and they've loaned him out there. I think so. I think he plays in like cup games and things like that. So fair play to the fella. But there you go. Um, well, that's it then. That's all wrapped up, which means they should be announcing a signing any second now, as we always say. But no, um, Dad and Mike, thanks, thanks for both of you. It's the first time we've had both of you on for a while, isn't it? Actually, I was thinking about that. It's been a long time, yeah, been a long time. Mm. You're all settled after your house move, Dan. So. Uh, all, all well, good in that sense. Yeah, just about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you've still got a million jobs to I'm, do. I'm, I'm best mates with the lads at the tip. Uh, shout out <laughs> oh, to the boys at the oh, tip because I've been like 48 times. Right the tip. But there's yeah. no greater joy in life than a trip to the tip. The, the decorating's uh, underway and whatnot. So, yeah. Any kids, any kids listen to this to this pod, you know, when you grow up, you think, oh, I'm going to the tip, that's such a terrible job. It's not. It's one of the it's, great it's joys. Great fun. One of the great joys of life. Especially right? when you when you pull up and there's no queue and you're like, oh, yes, brilliant. And you can just take your time. You go to one, skip by one, just drive yourself along. Wonderful stuff. Um, right, that's enough tip talk for today. Um, thanks everyone for listening. <laughs> Fans once again to our sponsors, the London Bunch, for their support this season. We will be back next week with a review of the Yorton game and a look ahead to uh, the return of Owen Moxon. <laughs> it probably will be if he's not picked up an injury or anything by then. Um, Yep, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks, Dan and Mike, for joining me. Uh, Most importantly of all, though, up the blues. Up the blues. blues.